What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. And today we have Simon Boxer with us, a developer behind the upcoming roguelike card game known as Ring of Pain. Simon, thank you for joining today. I can't wait to talk about this game. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. This is something that I, I talked about before we started actually recording, is I, I saw this game during the Steam Summer Festival, and I was just super excited. I There's something about this game that instantly caught my attention, and I, I'm glad that you were willing to to take some time out of your day. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. It's really great that we can put something out into the world, and it's, you know, even as a debut product for us, that it's... Uh being seen and appreciated for what it is right um but before we get started and actually talk about the game i always like to kick this off and instead talk a little bit about the developers themselves so let's talk about you how did you get into game development in the first place and then how'd you eventually come to create ring of pain uh yeah i've been i've been working for maybe about 13 years as a game developer uh so i yeah i started as a concept artist actually and i spent maybe 10 years sort of doing concept art and like storyboard and environment art and this kind of thing for film tv games you know even advertising and um yeah maybe three years ago or four years ago i decided to go out and do the indie game thing and so i made a mobile game with just one other person and then that was a flop (laughs) so i was like okay let's let's see what we can do on steam maybe maybe i'll make a game that i'm like more interested in um so went for and i wanted to try solo dev as well so this was actually originally a project that i was using to um learn more about coding in unity because i've been using unity for my freelance a lot and i've done a bunch of like ui ux work and that kind of thing and um so took the opportunity to scope something that was like within the bounds of my skill level. Uh, And it seemed like a turn-based card game would be the way to do it. And I was really into roguelikes and I was kind of like, where is a space in this genre that I can innovate in? And I felt like it was, um, I felt like it would be, you know how like in dungeon crawlers, you're typically wandering through levels and there's all this like navigation that you're doing you're walking through empty hallways and all of that yeah and i felt like what would it be like if you took out of all the took out all of the navigation and just brought every encounter straight to the player so it seemed like a card format would do really well uh would complement that kind of design philosophy and so yeah i started prototyping this thing i applied for a grant from our local state government and luckily got a little bit of funding to get some audio involved. And yeah, so after a year I had me and two audio people had a little prototype that I could take to Gamescom. Mm -hmm. And from there we got some funding from Humble Bundle and um, yeah, partnered with them for marketing and promo and whatnot and a part of their catalog now and managed to bring on another four people and here we are that's awesome now i've done a little bit of promotion for ring of pain in a previous episode of ours but i'm sure you can do a much better job explaining it than i can (laughs) what exactly is ring of pain and why should people be excited about it yeah so ring of pain is like a dungeon crawler card game roguelike hybrid it's not so much card game like people hear card game and say oh it's another kind of like slay the spire like but it's right. more of like a turn-based binding of Isaac set in the darkest corner of your mind. It's kind of like this, 
creepy world that you're exploring and you're learning about, you're adapting to it and all within the bounds of a turn-based dungeon crawler. So, you know, the typical kind of finding loot, managing your inventory um, and it's the choices along the way that help you strategize within the bounds of these dungeons that are set up in like a ring format which is used to show the player like everything that's going to happen or can happen we project all of the outcomes so really what the player needs to do is make the decisions like we show you all of the outcomes the important part is the strategy we want it to be really accessible so people can just jump in play without like you know going through half an hour of tutorial and (laughs) just get straight in it's really dynamic fast-paced for a turn-based game and um, right. yeah, just like learn out, learn more about this pervasively creepy world. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, one of the things that um, you mentioned basically it's a card game but not at the same time so this is something that's interesting to me because when i play this game i don't really think of card game even though i like i get it all the time i get a lot of flack from my other co-host who is on the (laughs) the normal podcast where every time i bring up a game that i'm playing or something that i'm promoting i always go with the description of it's a card game and he goes oh another card game and it's just you know one after another it just seems to be a very popular genre that's coming out right now especially after slay the spire Mm. But it's something important to think of is that this game is much more closer to, like you mentioned, that dungeon crawler, but turn-based combat, because the cards are more or less the the actual avenue of navigation in the game, rather yeah. than the the actual you know mechanic of of playing certain cards to your advantage, so to speak. Yeah, the cards are more like a vessel to um, support the mechanics of the game. So cards are used in a way that you know, we can arrange it so you can just see everything that's going to be happening. And also to simplify the asset, like, pipeline load. So as the only artist that's, you know, supporting this project at the moment, I need to be making all of the art. And so 3D was out of scope. Like, cards are a nice and elegant way to present the game that I wanted to to make, really. And I think it, I think it adds to the aesthetic of the game, and it fits kind of the fast-paced combat and play time that you know you were kind of alluding to. Having those cards rather than actual visuals or something to slow it down makes it much easier for that ring to scroll through those cards and go one after another to the next area. Having having said that, it's cards for the sake of you know art is not completely true there are aspects that we are honing into with with card games so you know you can shuffle it we are presenting it like dealt out and this kind of thing so there are some mechanical ways that we tie into card games but in Mm -hmm. the sense of gameplay yeah you're right it's definitely not um the typical kind of roguelike card game that you might expect when you hear a roguelike you know card game hybrid Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely more dungeon crawler. Yeah. I think the big distinction is we're not saying deck builder. Right? Yeah. Like when you think of deck builder, that's the exact thing that most people would think of with these kind of card games. But to go to one of my next questions, you know, you're using these cards in that ring and you're going around. So why even a ring at all? What exactly was the inspiration behind having the system uh, in that manner, as opposed to something like a deck of cards where you're flipping one after another or shuffling through that deck? So the ring was what I felt was a nice way to 
to organize the cards so so you could see everything that's that you're facing and also um a way to be able to present this dungeon that looks like it's you know shrinking as you progress through it i think it was mostly an artistic choice but it's also tied in with the um the mechanics that we've got as well Mm -hmm. gotcha when playing the demo each floor going more into that that ring effect you know you have those cards laid out you're fighting either monsters or you're opening treasures you're finding power-ups and potions and you're going from card to card to this ring right so when you're finding these exits one of the things that i thought was interesting is each of those rings could have potentially multiple exits and sometimes i saw that there were different doors that would have a different color variation to them um i don't know if this is getting into anything that's more spoiler or if this is something that's maybe in the future or maybe i'm just looking more into this but are these different doors or these different exits or pathways are they going to be something that's uh kind of a variation depending on which one you choose and it's kind of up to the player to figure out what those doors mean is there any uh branching scenarios we might find in these based on the the paths that we take yeah, yeah. So, you know how in a normal roguelike or, or a you know a typical modern roguelike, you've got this overview map between levels where you get to choose your path on a map-based mm-hmm. node system? Mm-hmm. This is basically a, an in-world substitution for that. So, what I've done is um, we sort of randomize the nodes that are presented, but we show them in the game as doors, if that makes sense. So, when you go through a door, right. you're basically going... You're choosing which node you go to. The difference, like you mentioned, is that we don't tell you what <laughs> exactly they are when you start out. But you have to discover right. what what each of these rooms is. And so after okay. you've been through each one once, you've like theoretically discovered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a way for us to add like a lot more variety rather than having like say three or four archetypes of you know roguelike doors, which is like you know the the mystery door, the um, the right. shop, the small encounter, the big encounter where like we've got, you know, like 25 plus whatever um, different types, <laughs> of, types of doors that you can go through and you can learn sort of like, well, if you play enough, you can learn the sort of bounds of each door's randomness, I guess. Like it's not right. entirely random. It's like ran within limits of what we want that sort of area to be. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Now this kind of goes into my follow-up question about this was as you're completing those floors, you'll sometimes land in things like those shops or sections of vague dialogue that we had in the demo, which I don't know what that will look like in the actual full game, but are these random encounters and, and events something that we're going to see between each of the floor that are more scripted or is this something that's more based on the type of doors you're taking? Uh, so this is more the the npc encounters like the dialogue encounters with al and the um the big glowing mass thing mm-hmm. are um part of the overarching plot so they are sort of staggered through um there's sort of like a core path um, maybe back to answer the previous question a bit more there's sort of a core path and then some of these colored doors act as like opt-in extra paths that mm-hmm. you could take and so you can cycle through them and but you'll always cycle back to the core path and yeah, the core path breaks up the different zones of the game. Um, and so in the final game, there's I think three or four, well, there's there's three sort of theme zones and then you get to sort of like a branching 
um, path, which takes you to like one of the endings. And, um, mm. and that's the main sort of nugget of the story part of the game. Right. Um, so yeah, basically you're completing all of a core path and then you can opt into extra stuff. And the NPC sort of speech encounters are um, just explaining sort of the story or not really explaining because they're very vague, like kind of riddle form <laughs> poetry. But, you know, I like the idea of players being able to interpret things a bit and not giving them all the answers, um, you know, create a sense of mystery and weird lore. I do have a story in mind, though. I'm not just like I'm not just <laughs> not just, throwing out just random. random. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's good. I, I mean, I didn't anticipate that, but I, I'm, I'm sure you're leaving it up to a little bit of interpretation. I think it makes sense, especially with the the core theme of what this game is or what's been shown. I think it makes sense that nothing should really be uh, given to you in a just like, here you go kind of manner. It should be something that's a little bit more of you have to dig deeper to find out what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's my same approach for um, tutorialization as well. It's like, I don't want to do the mobile style handhold of now click this, now click that, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I want people to come up to weird things, weird creatures, and probably often get destroyed by them straight away. But then, yeah. you know, learn and uh, that's where the fun is. It's in being challenged and um, adapting. That is very true. I think that makes sense. And I think that was one of the things that when I first tried out the demo, I was like, wow, this seems like it could be really hard. Like there were, <laughs> you know, occasional runs that I had in the demo where I was like, I, I got through it and I was like, okay, that wasn't too bad. I, I got a good build. You know, I found different pickups. I was starting to get better. But like the first couple of ones that I tried, I was just like, destroyed really quick i was like this seems like i don't have a chance <laughs> i am i am very much into um difficult games so this the approach is is very much like give players the challenge straight up rather than forcing them to grind it's not like roguelite um so much right it's mm-hmm. more like you know you can do it or you can't uh and if you can't you learn how to do it it's about the player strategy. So a new player could go in and finish it straight up. Mm-hmm. It's about your decisions and strategy. That's super interesting. And that actually brings me up to one of my other questions was how progression works in this game. Because if you're saying it's mm. it's less rogue lighty, that to me says that this game is more of the first time you play this game is going to be the same uh you know style of what it would be if you played it the hundredth time meaning not in a way of like it'll get stale but like you're not going to have potentially a stronger character Mm. or you know a different um a different type of perk that will change for you so uh i hate to use this as an example because i've done this in a lot of my past interviews but (laughs) i just i love this game so much but binding of isaac you have characters who you play the game and at first start with nothing. And then as you unlock certain things, you'll start where the character has an item when you just first start with them. And that's just an added bonus that you get because the game also starts making it harder for you where they add new enemies and new variations to the world. So is there going to be anything to that nature in this game? Or is this more of roguelike where it's always going to be that same level of difficulty and you're not going to get that sense of your character growing? There, you know, I say, I say that you can finish it straight up and you can, um, but you do 
unlock stuff as you play. So there is some okay. of that um, light kind of progression mm-hmm. in that your item pool grows with like more and varied and extra interesting things to support all sorts of different play styles as you play more. Um, and so we don't have like character class sort of unlock thing, although that would be really cool. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's something that I'd love to do. Um at some point if it's feasible and right you know depending on which direction the game goes after launch um but yeah for now it's it's that kind of item pool unlock sort of style which binding of isaac also has you know you discover things and they now appear in the basement we've got a similar sort of system Right. Okay. Yep. That totally makes sense. And that's not to say like one way or the other, there's a better way to do it. It's just, it's interesting to see the different variation on, uh, you know, is this going to be a challenge that will always be challenging for that reason? Or will it be something that might get a little bit easier for those players that might need that little bit of help with accessibility on, it Mm. might be too challenging for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it depends what kind of play style you want to unlock. Um, for sure. Because, yeah, the, the more you play. And, and we've also got the reroll sort of system in for the same reason, to give people access to more items. So when you open mm-hmm. a, a Mimic or um, like a cor- get items from a corpse, you um, have the opportunity to reroll it um, by paying a little bit of souls. And that lets people, well, that helps people hunt for, um, you know, ways to <laughs> make it easier technically. Like mm-hmm. we do have. Um, a structure where the the first times you're playing the game, you're playing through sort of like the normal mode. So it's challenging, but it's not like ridiculous. And then once you've completed that, we've got another variant that's kind of for the really hardcore people, which oh, okay. which is probably a situation where you will want to, you know, make sure you're optimizing your gear and you probably will want to have unlocked a bit of stuff that can synergize right. well by that stage. Okay, very cool. Um, for, you know, just cause you mentioned that just to touch on kind of those, those more difficult levels or playthroughs, what exactly does that look like as far as, is this something to the nature of, you know, uh, enemies have more health, enemies will hit harder, you know, you have, uh, lower chances at different roles. So like the, the potions that have the curse versus, uh heal or curse versus stat like it's it's less in your favor what exactly are those looking like yeah so it's all yeah enemies are all stronger and um sort of more developed to their archetypes um Mm -hmm. and yeah for the player side of things it is you well actually so back to the binding of isaac character thing we Mm -hmm. sort of have a mild equivalent of it it's not really character class it's like your starting item Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the team recently did an AMA that was posted on YouTube and I was watching through some of it. And one of the things that I found really interesting was something one of your team members mentioned, and it was around the content that was provided in the demo versus what's going to actually be available in the full game. And so the team member brought up that in the demo, players aren't even halfway through the depth of the first ring. Can you clarify exactly what a ring means in the game? Because is this referring to the ring that you build out with each floor you complete? Or is this each ring that you then take a door to exit out of? Yeah, so the ring is, and and this might have created 
too high expectations but <laughs> the ring <laughs> the ring is basically um the path until your first sort of like main choice and then okay. it goes into sort of the branched um bit which isn't as big as the main path ring um gotcha but yeah the ring is like the map sort of like mechanic to tie it in with the game theming and also present sort of like you know this theme of cyclical nature and um yeah a way for us to build to a a closing beat kind of thing if that mm-hmm. makes sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so the, yeah i don't want to like i don't want to say too much because it will spoil it but um it's fine. yeah I, I would just say that um it's I'll say the demo is probably about a quarter of like the main ring and then there's a bit more content after it, but gotcha. not as much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then another thing kind of on that same note that was mentioned in the AMA was there was uh, different sets of game modes that would be available as we get past that. So I'm assuming that this part, you know, that, that quarter chunk and then the continuation that would be a part of the core game is going to be that moment, that main story mode you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, is, are these different game modes more to the nature of what you mentioned with that difficulty area or something more like, uh, you know, modifiers that don't really change the core mechanic to the game, but might put something that, uh, that other games deem as like mutations or things like that. Or is this something entirely different? Yeah. So it is, um, yeah. One of the extra things is like the, what we are calling hard mode or what we internally call hard mode. That's one of them. And then, yeah, like the daily dungeon style, which for our game and our mechanics is kind of like a puzzle mode. Um, Hmm. Like it's really interesting actually how modifiers change the structure of the game because it's a shorter, it's a shorter gameplay. Like we aim with that for it to be maybe about 20 minutes to play Um, and, you know, replayable however many times. We don't do like your first score is the only one that counts because just when you add modifiers on this style of game, it becomes really difficult and really interesting sometimes like depending which com- combinations you get um it transforms the game into yeah different types of puzzles and it's quite a different sensation to playing the normal game so yeah it's a bit of a weird daily dungeon thing like it's not <laughs> comparable so much to other games daily dungeons maybe in the same way that our game is not really comparable to other roguelike card games but yeah yeah those are the main modes the hard mode and the daily dungeon sort of thing okay that's super cool that definitely will be something to check out then Mm. um let's talk a little bit about inspiration so one of my favorite things about this game is just the like the dark creepy vibes you get from it the art is <laughs> jagged and hectic there's so many colors it it gives you this like very surreal nightmare kind of mm. feeling good <laughs> where yeah exactly where where did you pull the inspiration from when it comes to the art style and was this something that was a part of the game from the beginning or did these more nightmarish tones develop over time as you started to you know gain more of your team members where did this all come from um no i am solely responsible for the nightmares that you see ah Um, so you're you're the creepy guy 
<laughs> I'm the creepy guy. Yeah. So I did like <laughs> all the creative direction and development of the early product. Um, cause I Very was cool. working for a year to like, you know, get like, I, I ver hired very little extra art help. Um, so all of these nightmares are straight from my mind and the inspiration for it, I think, well, <laughs> it's partly, uh, a rebound from my previous project, which was like a really cutesy, bright, colorful, you know, kind of kiddish game. And I'm like, oh, I just need to make some horror again because I really <laughs> enjoy making like horror content, like horrific uh -huh. creatures. And it's just fun. Just making monsters is fun. Right. Um, and Too then, much. Too much <laughs> yeah. cutesy stuff. You just had to take a full 180, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Got to bury that. And, um, yeah, so the inspiration for things specifically is like uh, sort of mental states. So I'm trying to visualize what it would be like if you saw, say, a dog and were terrified of dogs. Like, what would a dog look like? You're projecting your fears and delusions onto this world. Mm. And that's where I conceptually like develop creatures um, for the game. And then the inspiration overall for like artistically came from a lot of, you know, looking at concept artists because I was a concept artist for you know, 10 plus years and got a bunch of concept right. art friends that are in really high places doing really cool stuff and looking at their creative, um, you know, especially their personal products, uh, projects mm -hmm. like Alex Constead making Obliscura. That's really interesting and creepy in the same kind of way. Mm -hmm. And then also taking a look at other sort of less gamey things like surreal photography and medical imaging. Um, and then combining that with the, um, my thoughts about like aphantasia where it's the inability to visualize like mental imagery and other sensory things. But, hmm. but basically when I'm thinking about aphantasia, like my ability to visualize is not actually that great in my head. Like things kind of <laughs> <laughs> look quite vague and fuzzy. And I've always felt like an artist that creates basically order from chaos, like a painting will be created as I'm making it kind of thing. I can't always visualize it straight up. Right. And so I wanted to try and make an art style that was representative of sort of that vibe, like what I see in my mind if I'm trying to recall a memory. Uh, and when you do that, it makes it really hard to hire and train other artists to do right. like what you're seeing as well. So I scoped it to be a project that I could paint myself um, and... Huh yeah it's it's uh that's, that's super creative i i don't i don't know it just the the way that you're going about this the process seems very kind of like you said very hard to to imitate um maybe for lack of a better word um just well, that's because definitely a bonus in a project yeah you want it to have a strong identity and also like you don't want to be cloned straight away <laughs> right exactly no, because I mean, the art style is very unique in that it's it's this it goes in this way where it's so nightmarish and dark. But you think of dark and horror and you think of something that's very, you know, uh, dark tones, very grayscale, very, mm. uh, very saturated like, and monotonous. Right. Yeah, exactly. But this is so vibrant at the same time. It has this these accents to it that are just so vibrant. Even though you have this depicted horror, it's filled with so much life at the same time. So it is very interesting to see. And it's 
probably one of the reasons why it was such a an eye catcher is because of how you have this just explosion of of colors like i'm sure you know not to to say anything about about my intelligence but like i'm sure if you showed this to people who are like very young like i'm talking like two-year-olds or things they'd be so drawn to it because there's just so much (laughs) going on yeah yeah that's that's a really interesting observation um yeah, and and while I was making it, I wasn't sure if it would work. Um, <laughs> like I'm just making this stuff that's quite graphic. I because I really like graphic design as well and graphic illustration, mm-hmm. and uh, that's sort of where the color aspect and the simple sort of geometric shapes and strong silhouettes came from. Um, gotcha. And yeah, yeah, no, that's really uh, heartwarming to hear from you. Your analysis of it, <laughs> it's very, <laughs> very complimentary. Thank you. Oh, no problem. I, I'm, I'm sorry that it's not more, uh, more articulate, but I mean, it's a compliment nonetheless. Uh, you're doing great stuff. Um, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Um, so kind of on that same of, of inspiration, but more towards the story side, I ended up joining the discord just recently that you uh, you and your team have, which if uh, people don't know about it, you can sign up by going to discord.gg slash ring of pain. Um, and I was interested to see that the minute that you join, you're asked to make this choice of welcoming the shadows, or I believe it was lighting a candle so that you yeah. can see. And it's, it's seemingly a good versus evil choice. Uh, at mm. least that's the way I took it, or a, a mentioned light versus darkness. Um, you had kind of a, a lore reference in your AMA to to this duality of of choices that you make. Can you elaborate on this at all as to what you know this means, how you're tying this into the game? Yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting that people auto- automatically think like shadow is evil and and light is good um, mm-hmm. because yeah, like you say, there's this duality. Like light creates shadow, so they exist together, kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, it's it does tie into the law because, you know, the first thing you do in the tutorial of the game is you get a candle. Um, so it's reflective of that. And within the Discord, we're trying to give people a little, little bit of an extra like law booster for people that are in our community um, mm-hmm. by these regular sort of story events and a more elaborate story um, sort of like... Um, it's, it's Well, I should say it's written by my co-writer uh, Jamie Kokolat who um, okay. he is he is in charge of the discord sort of law games which are like explore exploring and both factions sort of diverge um, factions being the light and the shadow mm. and then um, yeah they'll progress the story over the time up to launch kind of thing and I won't um, spoil where that's going but but yeah this this is the whole theme of the game and um, we sort of play with the idea of how these two sort of forces interact. And as you play the game, you'll get more of an idea through the NPC sort of encounters that you see in the demo um, as to what exactly, well, maybe not exactly, but what generally is going on. <laughs> to that uh, to that same point, is this going to be something that is a much more story-driven adventure? Because when I, you know, when I think about uh, other roguelites, they, they have, you know, small story snippets to them, but there's not a lot out there. Many of the bigger known ones, something like a Slay the Spire, is very vague in it that you're just going up these 
stairs and you're fighting enemies and that's kind of it. You you defeat the heart and then you're like, cool, I did it. And then is there's something with be... like eight eyes. <laughs> right, exactly. Is is that going to be, and and not to, to say one way or other if that's bad or good because that's just mm. how the game is and what you're putting into it, but is this something that's going to be more story driven uh, as you're going down these floors or, or through these rings? Um, or is this going to be more like a, kind of you alluded to it a little bit of a, something like a hollow Knight or a dark souls where a lot of that story that, that, you know, that lore is deep rooted into the game itself and you kind of have to dig deeper for it. Yeah, definitely the dig deeper style. I like the dead cells, um, approach to sort of narrative where it's more opt-in. So you can talk to NPCs, but you don't have to, you can go straight by them. You don't need to get that, um, you know, those little story snippets, but, Mm -hmm. but they're also delivered in a very, very um, simplistic sort of straight to the point way like you get one choice from questions you get your question answered and then you continue on so I don't I I like having story to tie everything together and and I believe that every product needs to have a story that supports its mechanics and so that's where I'm coming from when I'm writing and integrating story with the game but it's it's a mechanics game first like we want it to be a challenging strategy game um that also has an interesting story so yeah it's more like the dark soulsy kind of style where our item lore isn't as deep as dark souls like i love the dark souls item lore stuff (laughs) and people doing analysis that is so cool um ours isn't that deep but um that's the kind of approach that i like gotcha okay that makes total sense um so before i get to the last question so right before I know you're going to shoot me down right away because it's probably one of the main secrets for the game, but I got to ask, what is up with this owl creature? He's so damn creepy. Oh, owl's your friend. Um, (laughs) I mean, is he? I mean, you get lots of items from owl. You know, owl kept you in its nest. Uh, It's nurtured you to health. Um, How could you hate owl? (laughs) I mean, I didn't say I hate him. I just don't know him. (laughs) Some people do. <laughs> yeah, Al is definitely a uh, character which, which I, well, actually, so I'll talk about the um, <laughs> the origins of Al a little bit. I okay, put a bunch of placeholder monsters into the game, like just really terrible trackpad, like literally on my laptop trackpad. I'd drawn <laughs> these blobby, <laughs> just just <laughs> color blobs with eyes, basically. Uh-huh. And I, I did a Twitter post that was like, you know, check out all my color blobs with eyes. They're really hilarious. Um, and <laughs> people looked at this yellow one and thought it was just super charming. People just really resonated with this yellow color blob. And it was Al. It turned into Al. Um, and so I was like, I got to make this the protagonist. And actually the theme of what that yellow blob was meant to be, which I'm not going to reveal because it's a spoiler, um, okay tied in very very well with the story that we could tell um, that we were developing at the time because, you know, you can tell any number of stories, infinite stories with a game when you start with the mechanics. Um, Mm. But, you know, you got to add the mystery and I'm not going to (laughs) resolve the mystery right now. Uh, I think you'll have to resolve it from playing. Okay. Okay. As long as I, as long as I'll know a little bit more once I actually play it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You will. Okay. Um, so I know that, you know, you probably got a lot of stuff to do. 
your team is working on the game. We want to give you that time. But I have one last question before we go. Um, the main thing that we always like to ask people for everyone who's in this industry, whether it's a developer, an artist, you know, someone who's working in sound design, you know, for those who are looking to get into this space, the indie game space or just video games in general, um, you know, what what advice would you give those listeners who might want to go and take that leap into this world? Uh, just general advice or, you know, something that you wish you had known before you got to where you are now? Yeah. Wow. So many things that <laughs> could be said. I think be, <laughs> be consistent and persistent. Keep making things and make small things. And every time you make a small thing, evaluate it afterwards and look, what could you have done better? And then make another small thing that's better than the last thing. And just keep making things that are better and better. You just need to iterate and also don't get attached to the details. Um, it's really, really easy to overscope a project. Everything will take twice as long as you think it will, like literally, <laughs> if not more. So start incredibly small and your small project will end up being a big project anyway, quite likely. <laughs> so well, yes, I guess to, to sum up my advice would be start small, keep making things, keep making things better. All right. That's very, uh, very to the point. I like it. For those who are listening, Ring of Pain has a closed beta that's coming up July 17th, where uh, if you join their Discord, you can learn more about it, which is, as I mentioned before, in discord.gg slash ringofpain. Uh, and the full game looks to be slated for sometime in fall of this year. Uh, once again, Simon, thank you so much for coming on today. Before we go, uh, are there any shout outs that you want to do uh, You know, to anyone or, or something that I may not have mentioned that our listeners should know about? All right, yeah, I'm just going to shout out the team. So Mess, Jess, Tom, Belinda, Damien, Jamie, Ruben, and Tur on the Discord. I wouldn't be able to do it without the team, so much props to them. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Once again, best of luck to all of you. Thank you. Cheers. 